0: Thank you for sharing your hearts with us. It was it was good, really good. Well, my wife is going to minister to us the word this morning, so I'm just going to release it to her. Thanks. I have this beautiful word that I'm going to share at the end that goes right along with everything that the Lord just told us, and what I'm going to tell us and then we'll just end it with that. Um, and don't you love when Holy Spirit just puts it together so nicely for you? It just flows and it just works and there's like themes and he's just always working in everybody's heart individually to, to paint a beautiful picture, um, of what he wants to do. John asked me to share several weeks ago actually before we knew the Cowboys played at noon but I've been telling everyone that we just needed a little bit of a shorter sermon uh, so we could get on Um, last week during our worship service um, I felt like the Lord gave me two words and I've been just kind of mulling them over and praying about them and all of that and I, I really felt like I was supposed to share them with you. The two words were wake up and authentic and So I've been just praying about those in my own life. And God wants to do something amazing in our hearts. And can I just say that this message probably isn't going to be the most together message there is. Because I feel like in the last two days that God is just working me over, if you know what I mean. He's just rearranging my heart and my everything. And it's wonderful, but I can't promise that I'm going to keep it together for you this morning while I'm sharing because it's so fresh. This, this is something that is happening in my heart in like the last 48 hours um, that the Lord is birthing in me. So it's, it might be a little bit jumbled, but I'm sure you'll be able to follow. The first word is wake up. And this has a lot of different things. If you've been reading along in our Bible reading, um, you read John 11 this week, actually, I think. Or maybe it was last week. But something really uh, caught my attention. This is the story of Lazarus. You, You can turn there if you want to. All right, and I'm just going to pick up right in the middle of the story. Um, Jesus has been told Lazarus is sick, and he doesn't go to where Lazarus is. He's like hanging out, doing some other stuff first. And so then in uh, verse 11, he's talking to his disciples, and he said, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up. And the disciples said, Lord, if he's only sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I just love Jesus. It's amazing. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. For now, you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Okay, so he's like, he's sleeping. Well, if he's sleeping, why do we need to go there, Lord? He's dead. Okay, we're going. He's dead. And they get there, and all these people are just mourning you know, they're just grieving, just like if somebody in your life had died, you just grieve. And, uh, and so Jesus gets there, and Martha comes to him and says, Lord, if you, if you would have only been there, our, 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 our brother, he, he wouldn't have died. And, and then Mary comes out. He, he sends her Mary. Mary comes out and says, Lord, if you would have been here, our brother wouldn't have died. And they're just in the middle of this grief, and Jesus is, is, is weeping. This is the, this, the section of Scripture where Jesus wept. And he goes to the. He says, "Let's let's go to the grave," and he says, "Roll away the stone," and he calls him in a loud voice and says, "Lazarus, come out!" And sure enough, here comes this old boy in his grave, get up, you know, all these strips of cloth wrapped up, and walks out. He's been dead four days. And this, I read this passage after I got the word, "Wake up!" And the Lord said. That's part of it. And I want to make an application from this scripture that there are some things in your hearts, in my heart, some things, some promises, some dreams that we are grieving over because we feel like they're dead. And the Lord is saying, no, they are just sleeping, but I am coming to wake them up again. And so take hold of that if that is for you. That there's some things in your hearts that you may have just felt like is just destroyed. And even now, even you may not even re- realize you are grieving over something. And the Lord is saying, it's not dead. It is not dead. It's just sleeping. And I'm coming and I'm going to wake it up. And that was so powerful to me. To go, Lord... You want to you resurrect some of the good things that have died in my life. You want a resurrection to happen and he's going to come and be the one that does it. And the other, the other part of wake up that I'm feeling just ties in with the next word is, is I feel like the Lord wants to, to awaken our hearts to live a new lifestyle for him. To live in an authentic lifestyle. And we'll get into authentic and then we'll tie back up to wake up so that I don't get too far ahead of myself. The word authentic is really cool. I like it. I looked it up in the, defini- in, the, in the dictionary, dictionary.com, and the definition is not false or copied, Genuine. Something that's genuine, it's not false, and it's not copied. And I've been kind of thinking about the difference between authentic and real. I've actually read a little bit of a book that has, like, really impacted my life. So some of what I'm sharing is from that. This is not just all, like, my own thing, but it's something that's exploding in my heart. But, you know, sometimes we say, we just want to be real. Or, or you hear people, like, we mess up, and it's like, I'm just keeping it real. <laughs> And you know what? We're just keeping it real carnal sometimes. (laughs) You know, the definition of real is something that exists. Something that's actual. To be authentic is to be not false or copied. It's to be genuine. And this is the kind of lifestyle that we as believers are supposed to live. And it's a lifestyle that this believer has not been living well. God wants us to be authentic people. I, I want to share with you some, some attributes of authentic items and how that applies to our life. I've, I've just been thinking about this. Now, authentic items are originals. They're one of a kind, usually. So, like, if you think about a painting, I have a painting with me. This is from one of our kids' classrooms. This is an original painting. I know the person who painted it. <laughs> It's original, not copied, not false. It's genuine, it's real, it's authentic, it's one of a kind, it's original. I don't know that there's any other painting on the whole earth like this. And if we're going to live as authentic people, we've got to learn to embrace that we're one of a kind, that we're original, that we're not called to be a collection of copies of all these cool people that we like mixed in with a little bit of the world and a little bit of jesus we're what we're, we are called to be originals one of a kind and you know what the thing about authentic items this would be number two if you're trying to track with me they're valuable because they are one of a kind they're valuable and you know what this morning you know what if you don't catch anything else at the very beginning i want you to understand that you are valuable you have intrinsic value you are you are worth it all you are amazing every single one of you in here you have value you have value in ephesians 2 god talks about how we're his workmanship crafted in christ jesus that would be kind of like talking about our spirit, how he's he's crafted it to do good things for him through Christ Jesus. In Psalm 139, it says that, that, that he knit you together, you, physically you, this. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He formed you in the place before anyone knew you. You are a work of art. You are an original. You, you are exquisite. You're a masterpiece designed for him, not to look like someone else. We don't want to just, you know, this painting is really cool but I don't think I would like it if we just went and copied it a hundred times and hung it in the same room. The thing that's cool about this one is there's three other ones that go with it. They look a little similar, but they all have this amazing difference in them. We, we are a masterpiece, and we are valuable. We have to understand that We have to learn to value ourselves, to understand who we are. And sometimes we get so caught up in it's not about me, it's not about me, it's not about me, and it's not about us. But we have to understand who we are in Jesus. If we're going to give what we have to the world, we have to understand who we are created to be. And we are valuable. We are valuable. I have this funny story. Um, When my grandpa died... They went through all the stuff. They were auctioning off everything, you know, just auctioning off everything that anybody didn't want. And there was this old bird bath that had been like the top had been set off, like leaning against the house. Just this old bird bath in the in the yard because um, it was just kind of a hassle to mow around. So he just took it apart, and it's it's leaning up against the house, had been for years and years and years. I think we played on it when we were kids, and. The auctioneer came out, and he said, go ahead and move that. You're going to want to move that thing to the garage for the auction. So they moved it in. Do you know what? That birdbath had been sitting outside, laid up against the house, auctioned for $1,200. Do you know why? Because of what it was made of. It was like this authentic, amazing, exquisite kind of material that made the bird bath. And the auction the the people who came to the auction knew what it was they knew they were trained to see that and they knew they wanted it in their stores because it was valuable because it was worth so much even though it had just been like leaned up against how it was in perfect condi- condition you know everything uh, Twelve hundred dollars for a bird bath nobody knew it nobody but the people who had a trained eye to see they knew they knew it was authentic. They knew what they were getting. It was valuable. Authentic items never lose their authenticity, they never lose it. This painting was authentic a year ago when it was painted, it's authentic today. This painting is just as authentic in the 5th and 6th grade classroom as it is right here when I hold it in front of you. It doesn't it doesn't change when it changes its environment. It doesn't leave one room and go into another room and all of a sudden lose its authenticity. You see, it's consistent. You could say it has integrity. And if we are going to be authentic, we're going to have to learn to be consistent, to be consistently authentic. We can't be authentic in here and not be authentic in our homes. We can't be authentic in here And go hang out with a bunch of sinners and not be authentic. I'm not saying you shouldn't go hang out with a bunch of sinners, but you better be authentic if you're going to be there. If you're going to be authentic here. Authentic items don't ever lose their authenticity. And the thing about authentic items is some items are really good at appearing to be authentic, and they aren't. These, these silk flowers are very, very good silk flowers. I mean, if, if I would have planted them in a pot, some of you might have believed they were real. Like, they have the little fuzzy stuff on the stem. They have the nice fuzzies on the leaf. And, you know, have you ever walked in a place and you always wonder, are those real? Are those real? You know, do you think that's real? Like, have you ever walked in something? hey, do you think that's real? And what do you do? You go over and you touch it or you smell it, you know? Oh, dusty, okay, that's, that's <laughs> fake, you know? <laughs> um, but, you know, there, there, there are some things that can, can appear as if they're authentic. But when you do the test of touching or smelling or whatever, you realize they're not authentic at all. In fact, they're fake. So that's not what we're called to be. This is not who we want to be. I want to be the real thing, you know? I want to be the real thing. I have real good news for you. There are a lot of authentic items that are flawed. This is good. Amen? Can I get an amen? Are you guys feeling beat up? Go, yes! Woohoo! They're flawed, you know? (laughs) This is great news. Example diamonds. When John picked out my engagement ring, he did a real good job, by the way. My beautiful diamond right here. He got a little sheet that came with it that has the grade of the diamond, the clarity of the diamond, the value of the diamond, all those things that they do with diamonds. And there's, there's a grade based on the flaws in the diamond. Did you, diamonds are not perfect. In fact, if you want a perfect diamond, then you need to buy a cubic zirconia because every diamond has flaws in it. Now, some have more flaws than others, but diamonds are valuable. And if you were going to take something into a jeweler that you thought was a diamond, you want there to be flaws in there. Because they're going to tell you, in fact, yes, this is a real diamond. If you take something in there that's absolutely perfect, they're going to say, this is fake. So, that, this is good news. <laughs> Jesus, in his, it says in his word, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, even, even leaders, even pastors, even evangelists, even everybody, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So why? Why do we feel like we have to present ourselves as perfect and having it all together? Because you realize that in representing ourselves as that, we're actually stating that we're a fake. We're not representing ourselves as valuable diamonds. If we're saying we're perfect, we have it all together. We're representing ourselves as a CZ, which is just a cheap imitation. I'd much rather let people see the flaws and know I'm real and authentic than to state by my actions that I'm a fake does that make sense see these are real they're real they're there they're pretty they're blingy they're sparkly they're real but a diamond is authentic and a diamond is flawed we we want that in our hearts we we can't We have to get rid of the mindset that we have to be perfect, that we have to have it together. We we, we just can't do that. And you know, some items that are authentic it takes a trained eye to be able to tell if they're authentic or not. This goes back to the whole idea that we can represent ourselves as authentic and not really be that. And we can get away with it for a long time. Most people, you could show them a CZ and they'd think it's a diamond. But if I took it into the jewelry store, had Frank Hawk look at it for me, he could probably tell without putting it under the microscope if it's real or not, because his eye has been trained to see it. I want to be authentic. I want to be authentic. I want to get rid of of all the fake and the fluff and the, the stuff that's, that's clogging up my life from, from being real. I want to I wanna, you know tear down any walls that I try to hide behind that keep me from being an authentic person. What is the key to being authentic? It's to be with him. It's to be with him. Man, God was downloading some stuff to me during worship that I'm just going to put in right here. Being authentic requires surrender. Total surrender. I'm not just talking about like, Lord, I surrender to you in this area. I'm talking about on my face, weeping like I was in here in the prayer room yesterday going, It's all yours, God! I give it up to you! Every day, total surrender and repentance. We have... We've got to stop control in our own lives and live for Jesus. Let him be in charge. There's this, there's this thing, and I just know that there's more to this, and God's going to give me an amazing revelation about it, but I'm going to share a little tidbit of it now. In Exodus 3, Moses has is, is met at the burning bush. Before that, he, he grew up in Pharaoh's palace, had everything he wanted. He got into a little bit of a ordeal and killed a man. And when he found out that somebody knew, he ran. Ran away from everything. And now he's like watching some sheep. And he hears something. And there's a burning bush, but it's not being burned up. So he goes to it. Are you familiar with this story? There, there's a burning bush. And he goes and God says, Moses, you're on holy ground. Take off your shoes. And he's telling him who he is. And at that instant, Moses Moses puts his hands over his face because he can't look at God and live. He covers his own face. And then if... If you fast forward thirty chapters in Exodus thirty three, after the people have been delivered from, from from Pharaoh, Moses has seen miraculous signs. He he's given his life to do everything the Lord is calling him to. He's he's moving when he sees the Lord move, and he's up on the mountain. And you know this point when he's meeting with God, he's saying, God, if you don't go with us, I'm not going. And then he says, God, show me your glory. I want to see it. I want to see you. And God says, okay. And do you know what? In Exodus 33, that time, God covers Moses' face for him. 30 chapters later, it's not Moses going, oh God, I can't look at you and live. It's him crying out for the presence. And God is passing in front of him, covering Moses' eyes for him. That's huge I don't even know everything it means but I'm waiting I'm like God oh I just really want to know but that that's big because see Moses before that he had everything he wanted he he made mistakes he ran away from his past he is just doing his own thing he is controlling whatever he's doing he encounters God and he's like Whoa, God. I can't look at you. I am gonna, I am gonna protect myself from your presence because I can't live if I see you. So I am taking it. I am gonna protect myself because I know what's best for myself. And then, as he follows God and he goes, and he goes right back and visits his past. Wouldn't you know, doesn't God like to do that with us? He goes right back there. He he encounters the supernatural. He's with God. He's with God. He's with God. He's he's not always just doing, doing, doing with God. He He is doing for God, but he is with God. He's experiencing him. He's learning his voice. He is, his fear and his faith are colliding, man. He is visiting the place that he ran from. He is watching his old people be destroyed because of what they're doing. And then in thirty-three Exodus 33, he's the one who's crying out for the encounter with God. It's not God saying, hey, here I am. It's Moses going, I must have you. Don't tell me to leave this place if you're not going with us. And then he's saying, I want to see you. And he's totally not afraid at all. And God comes down and he shows him all his goodness. But this time Moses knows he doesn't have to protect himself. He knows he doesn't, he knows God is good. And you know what? It hadn't changed. God still says, well, no man can see me and live. But does Moses cover his eyes? No, God does it for him. This is part of the authentic lifestyle is coming to the point where we can take our hands off, where we can put our hands down and trust that God is good, that he is good all the time. He was good to Moses. He is good today. He's going to be good tomorrow. God is good and we can take our hands off of our life, off of our eyes, off of everything that we're trying to control and surrender to him and he will be good. He is a good dad. He will do it. That's what this authentic life requires. Is surrender. Is repentance. I don't want. I don't want sins lurking. In my heart. There's one thing. Oh, sorry, I'm just getting all riled up. I've been reading, I've been second in 3. You can turn there if you want. I especially like the New Living Version. I've been reading it in all kinds of versions this week. This is, this is going to be part of the authentic life. You will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. You used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world, but now... It's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other. For you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew, a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. And like you should just keep reading; it gets good. It's good. But I, I got there and I went, Lord, I want to walk in my authentic nature. In my real life that's hidden with Christ Jesus. I want to put away all these things. And learn to know you. And become like you. We've got to stop living as cheap imitations. I... We... We're not called to be a life of silk and plastic. We're not called to this. Do you know the thing about silk flowers? You know why they always smell nasty? (laughs) You wanna know, have you ever smelled a silk flower? They're nasty. The reason they smell nasty is because they sit in a room and they absorb the smells of everything around them. You know what makes a genuine flower different? It exudes smell from within. It's who it is. We've got to get rid of the silk and plastic. That's, this is not what we're called to. This is pretty. It's nice. It smells bad, but it's nice. <laughs> All right? We've got, to, we've got to get down to it. We've got to get to the point where we can be honest with ourselves and say, God... I'm. I've been terrible. I'm a sinner. I have all these things. I've been so mean to my husband in the last week. I've just lost my temper. I've become angry. I am so self-centered. I have. And that's not. That's not a fun place to go. Just in case you're thinking you might want to jump on the journey, I'll just let you know right now. It's not fun. But but that's what that's what it's going to take to be authentic. Is that we can first look at our own lives and be honest and be real and see the things that are really there. If we're gonna show our life to someone else as authentic, we have to understand what's there. We have to get down and be honest and go, there's a lot of things in my heart listed in Colossians three that I don't want there. And that's just one of the lists, you know, I mean, like there's lots, you could go to a lot of books of the Bible and it's saying, put off this, put off this, put off this. You shouldn't have this in your heart, this in your heart, like be filled with wisdom instead of, you know, like there's all these things. So if none of those in that list are in your heart, there might be some somewhere else. But you know, I'm, what I'm saying is, is we have to come to a point where we can, we can be authentic with ourselves, where we can say, this is what's here and God, it's not good. And I'm repenting. I'm turning away from that. Psalm 27 has been just knocking me over this, this week. And there's this part of it. You might know it from a song. It says, one thing that I ask and that I would seek is to be in your house forever. To gaze upon your beauty all the days of my life. The one thing. I ask. We got to live for the one thing. You know if God came down and said. What one thing do you want. How many of you are going to say. I want healing. I want my family to be restored. I want to see this happen. I want to see these people get along. I just want this stuff. I, I want this stuff. Hey I want wisdom. I want wisdom. Even the good things, I want, I want. What if God said, what's the one thing you want? And we said, God, the one thing I want is to be in your presence forever. Is to be with you. Because that's all that matters. we got to live for the one thing. We've got to let... The one thing become the most important in our life. We've got to surrender to the one thing. One thing I ask, the one thing I seek most, Lord, is to be in your house forever. To gaze upon your beauty. I want that to be my want. I want the one thing because I want it, not because I need it. We have to move to a place where we want God, where we just want to be with Him. Not that we just need Him for this or that, not that we just need to be with Him, but because that's our heart's desire, our inner desire is to say, God, I want you. The one thing, the one thing that, that just requires a lot of repentance too. I'm sorry. I've been praying Psalm, Psalm 51 for my repentance. It's one of David Psalms where it's the one that give me clean hands, give me pure heart. Take not your Holy Spirit from me, Lord. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Renew a right spirit within me. We've got to be authentic people. If we're going to go out, if we're going to follow the Holy Spirit's leading, it's going to be way more effective and easy if we're being authentic. It is. People know. People know. We're not called to be perfect. We're not called to have it all together. Amen. We're not called to be a collection of copies mixed in with a little bit of the world. We're originals, we're valuable people. We're not called to appear authentic. We are to be authentic. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up and see the things in our hearts and get rid of them. We have to awaken to the one thing we have to. We have to let our spirits who have gone asleep. Wake up and go. Oh my gosh. It's the one thing. That's what it's about. It's the one thing. It's you. God, I have got it so, so out of whack on my own. So I'm going to take my hands off and I'm going to repent for all these things in my heart and I'm going to live for you. I'm going to resolve to be an authentic person and live for the one thing. So maybe in your heart this morning, You've got some of those earthly, fleshly things lurking, if you know what I mean. Things like lust, immorality, fornication, addiction, rebellion, judgment, anger, malice, lies, jealousy, bad language self-centeredness maybe those are some of the things that are lurking that you want to get rid of god is good and he loves to forgive you when you confess to him so what i'm gonna ask us to do we're we're gonna close And what I'm going to ask you to do is what I've been doing the last two days. If, if you're ready, if, if this is something you want, is to be able to come up and say, be honest and say, God, what are these things in my heart anyway? I can't stop. I, I, I can't pretend like they're not there. I can't pretend any longer. I've got to get rid of them. God, here they are. Forgive me. Forgive me. Make me new. Give me a passion for your presence. Awaken me to the one thing. See, because you know what? It's really going to help us to come awake if we can get rid of all the other junk that's causing us to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. The world loves to rock our spirits to sleep just in a lullaby. The world just does it so easily. Na, na, na. The tune sounds so nice. Little things sneak in and our spirits just quiet and go to sleep. And we let the, the, the world begin to rule. And so by getting rid of some of those things, the Lord can awaken our spirits to the one thing to the one thing. I'm calling my people this day to stand in the midst of darkness and stand for righteousness. I am asking you to stand for justice, to stand for purity. Make a stand when no one else will. Stand this day so that people will see who you belong to And they will know where to run. I am asking my people to make a choice and stand in a nation when everyone else around you is sitting. This day, I ask you to stand again and watch me move in your families, in you, in your churches, in your cities, and in your nations. Stand. Let's get rid this morning of the silk and plastic. Of the grungy smell that we've acquired from all the things we've been around. Let's God, let's let God make us new and fresh. A beautiful rose who exudes the smell of Jesus and his presence from within. You can put on some music, dad. I'm going to invite you. To make a stand, which a lot of you just did. But the front is open. This is not like come and confess your sin to me, day. This is like come and tell the Lord. Cry out for him. Cry out for him. Let the hunger for his presence become the deepest thing in your heart. We must call to him. We must make it right with Him. We must release control and let God be in charge. And that will lead us to an awakening to the authentic lifestyle that we as believers are called to live. We're called to live in it every day. so i invite you to come up to the front and just make your heart right you may just need to repent you may just need to enjoy his presence maybe it's been a long time since you've just said god i just want you i don't want an answer i don't want to i just i just want you i just want you god come and clear the stuff out i just want to be with you that's what this time is for and i really believe that the lord wants to meet you here that if this really is your heart's desire that he wants to meet you here this morning i was sitting right over there yesterday when it happened to me but i i what the lord did was i got up and moved to a different location because he said get up make a stand and come to me so even if you can't come to the front if that's too much for you get up and go somewhere else make it right.